You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. I feel like this is our second podcast of the week. Because it's only been a six-day gap rather than a seven-day yes. gap, it kind of feels like we've upped the frequency. Yeah, I'm like, did we do a podcast already or not? You feel like we've done too many. I feel like we've done too few. Coming up on today's show, it's all about the live entertainment and the life of Stapes. <laughs> it's exactly the way I want my podcast to be. Uh, we did a live comedy show at PCA 2019. It was a good time and a success. Uh, but we never really got a chance to talk about it. We'll do that today, along with our guest, Clayton Fletcher, who was a big factor in all that coming together. We'll talk to him about that later on in the show. Uh, I played some live poker, uh, both at a home game, Josh Molina's house. Ooh, Hollywood home game. There we go. Thank you. Sick brag alert. And, and a very fancy uh, charity fundraiser for the Geffen Playhouse in Los Angeles. I've got some dumb stories and even some hand histories Ooh. from those events. Yeah, that's right. We can roll out that hand histories uh, sound effect that we were I so hard on. sincerely hope that we can roll out the winner winner chicken dinner drop. I am proposing, by the way, to modify an idea from one of our longtime listeners and longtime viewers of the live stream, the Undersea Monkey, who created the unofficial drinking game for our live streams. I'm going to create an unofficial drinking game for this podcast. During this episode, every time Joe Stapleton drops the name of a celebrity, take a drink. <laughs> I, you better have a full bottle ready because I'm I'm coming at you with both barrels later on. Uh, not a celebrity, but a super fan, Alex Parkin. He is challenging me on the movie uh, The Ghost in the Darkness, uh, that Michael Douglas Val Kilmer movie, which from the 90s at the time was like a pretty solid movie. I did not rewatch it, but uh, uh, I'm a fan. I like the movie and it got better reviews than it deserved at the time i think so alex and clayton on the show later i'm sorry to start on a downer joe but we need to cut straight to the chase <laughs> a basket of apology kittens for all of our poker in the ears <laughs> listeners who were hoping to play the turbo series free roll oh, no. that was meant to run on tuesday night but bloody didn't uh the people responsible say sorry by the way there is going to be a new free roll awarding Turbo Series tickets this weekend. So let's accentuate the positive here. Okay. First of all, the free roll was taking place at the weekend when hopefully more people will be able to play. It's going to be taking place <laughs> on Sunday, February the 3rd. Okay. Also, to make up for the fact that the first one got cancelled, we're going to boost the prize pool by 50%. So there's going to be $750 in Turbo Series tickets in the prize pool, giving more chances for people to win. And also, the Turbo Series starts on Sunday the 3rd, so it ties in perfectly with the with the festival getting underway. So Sunday, February the 3rd, 2.35 in the afternoon Eastern Time, that's 7.35 p.m. London Time, 8.35 p.m. Central European time. The name of the new free roll is Turbo Is Now Go. <laughs> and the You're putting a lot of faith into the people that are putting the free roll on that they'll get it right this time. But I also believe that they will. And the password for this free roll is Apology Kittens. Quite appropriate. <laughs> all one word, all lowercase, Apology Kittens Kittens. Um, some positive news from the world of online poker. I'm sure you saw Joe a lot of chatter on social media on Monday. Lex yeah. won the Sunday warm-up. And 
he, of course, he was streaming at the time, taking down a major event, beating thousands of runners, pocketing $35,000 with around 15,000 people watching him do it. You know, it's so fucked up because Lex is already so popular. Like, he didn't need to win a tournament. Like, come on, man. Like, you're already crushing the game. Do you really need to win on top of it? And, of course, I'm joking. Like, I... I love Lex. I'm super happy for him. And I can only imagine what this is going to do to his numbers. And Lex has been a celebrity for like the last year or so. And uh, basically, I'm just looking forward to kissing the ring for the next year. (laughs) Uh, While we are recording this podcast, by the way, there is a Twitch stream going on right now that we talked about last week, which is the six plus stream with Finton, Spraggy and Lex. And I believe that once that game's over, Lex is going to be playing some higher stakes six plus Hold'em as well. He's already said he's a big fan of the game. And obviously, we'll talk about this game in a bit more detail with our guest reviewers next week. Um, cool. On Sunday, when Lex won the Sunday warm-up, it was also the first week of the new $109 Sunday Million. How did that do? Well, this is something we didn't mention last week. It was announced that the right. Sunday Million buy-in was halving from $215 to $109. It was like literally when we went off the air, I got an email from the, whatever it is, the PR marketing department about this change. Yeah, I didn't really know how to react to it. I knew it was coming, and I knew about the announcement before we recorded, but I never play the Sunday Million, so I don't really know how this will go down. I didn't know how it was going to be received. On paper, in theory, I thought, great idea, because you have to buy and more people can play. Right, and as someone that would occasionally play the Sunday Million when I lived in England, I would probably play it more often, given that the fact that it's now $109 instead of 215 Completely. And I also thought, well... You know, if you did play it, and maybe for a single entry, now you can afford maybe to play it as a single re-entry um, sure. every week. Uh, but I was concerned that people would say, if you have the buy-in, it loses some of the prestige. Maybe people would be concerned that it's now going to run even longer. You've got to cut through more runners. Maybe it would dilute the prize pool. But the first week, huge success. 12,458 players, that's uniques. Wow. 15,550 total entries. And just to be clear... So only 3,000 people re-entered, more or less. Yes. And to be clear, you need 10,000 entries to clear the guarantee of of $1 million. So they did it without the re-entries. Exactly. It smashed the guarantee... However, it's hard to judge the success of a change like this from the first week. And I think we need to monitor what happens in the the weeks and the months that come to see whether what's planned as a permanent change does indeed remain permanent. But certainly early evidence would suggest that this is going to work. And you know that I'm a I'm a in general, a a fan of lower buy-in everything that as a lower buy-in person myself, uh, when it comes to live events, online events, anytime they reduce the buy-in for something, I'm into it. Sure. Um, one other thing I just wanted to touch on before we move back to talking about the PCA and the comedy show, Joe. Um, so there's been all of this stuff from Daniel and Daniel's war of words with various people, some, what he now realizes was a badly worded tweet, which then yeah, kicked he off one discussion. He uh, put out a different tweet saying like, look, here's what I meant to say in a more positive way, which I think most people can appreciate. Yeah, I'm not, I still think his tone is a little bit off and I can see why he's rubbing people up the wrong way. I know he's tried to explain it in more detail in a blog. I think one of the biggest problems I have is his ownership of the word knit and what he defines as a knit. He's talking about a life knit. He's talking about a, a person who is a knit 
in general in the world. Sure. Whereas I've always understood a knit to be someone who just plays particularly tight and it's not necessarily a negative attribute of a winning poker player in many MTTs and certainly in many satellites. It's a viable means of, of winning at the game. Right, of course. And I think he's also talking about, which he didn't specify earlier on, which I think he does later on in his podcast and his blog, is that he's talking about private games. Yes. I don't think he's talking about poker at large, which I think he was talking about a little bit at first, but he's then clarified and said, I'm talking about private games. If you're this type of player, you're not good for the game. And I will concede that he goes into more detail and explains himself in both his blog, which I've read, and I'm sure he does on the podcast as well, which I've not had a chance to listen to. However, this is the problem with it being condensed into a tweet and this is one of of the things i'm starting to really detest about social media is people making very quick judgments but also people maybe trying to express ideas or have conversations where this platform is not ideally suited and then it all kicks off and just seeing how this has descended into a mudslinging match and some of the other people who've got involved a lot of personal attacks against him too which i think that a lot of people that feel like they were personally attacked that maybe they were the sort of person that that daniel was describing in this tweet they've attacked him personally people that weren't involved at all have attacked him personally and i've i've been watching from the sidelines and i agree with you james that social media is in such a weird state right now that i have felt uncomfortable even weighing in on this because i don't want to deal with whoever i upset i don't want to and also i mean i've made a conscious effort and this is partly for my own sanity to have less of a presence on social media to spend less time reading stuff and engaging in stuff and so my my time and my presence on twitter for example has reduced massively over the last two to three months um and i now find myself if i'm writing anything that is not a purely promotional tweet directing people to the live stream or telling them about the new podcast right i am pouring over because all it takes is one misclick, one mistake, one misunderstanding, and it's just not worth it. And I it's, look at what's happened with Sam Grafton, for example. So Sam right. Grafton sends out this uh, this meme that he created from the, using the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. By the way, he did not create that. I saw that long before Sam tweeted it. Okay. One of the dealers showed it to me, and I went, oh, this sucks. I'm really sorry that this happened. And, oh, wouldn't it be great if you could put this out there? But I wasn't about to do it, obviously. No. And the irony is I was standing in the same room as Sam when he sent that tweet because it wow. was at okay. the bar on the final night of the PCA. Right, and he's probably drunk. He was drunk. And or or had drinks. Sure, but it was something that didn't need to be posted, didn't need to be said, created an argument that didn't need to be had. It was all completely unnecessary. It was all like, especially for Sam to take the brunt of it. Um, And I think at this point, I saw what he tweeted today. He goes, look, I know I'm going to be the guy now forever that has to live down the, but did he tip? Sure. Which brings me back to Daniel, where everything that Daniel tweets now, the standard response is more rake is better because there's one thing that you say once in your life or one thing that you do and suddenly that will always be the repost again and again and again and that's not an argument that's not a conversation it's just petty and it's just silly and it's not taking us anywhere it is petty so i would like to turn the conversation towards something positive where daniel today i know for a fact he was in los angeles and he flew back to las vegas to fulfill a -a make-a-wish for someone who's make-a-wish was to meet Daniel. And funnily enough, James, he called me tonight while he was on that Make-A-Wish because the guy said to him, how can you stand that guy, Stapes? (laughs) And which to me is hilarious 
that this guy has a make a wish and his fucking wish is for Daniel to call me and troll me as like his fucking thing. Like that's an honor. Like that's an honor. Like I've made such an impact in this guy's life that he needed Daniel to call me. And luckily I was available. Daniel called me on the phone. I was able to speak to him, but I was like, cool, man. It's like better to be talked about than for someone to not know who I am at all. Oh, that's amazing. So let's, let's give Daniel also like a lot of people ignore the positive things that Daniel does. Right. And they only focus on the negative and the ways that they can sort of attack Daniel and for the things he does. And Daniel puts a lot of good out into the world. And so for as long as that's happening, it's going to be really difficult for me to be upset at anything he says because in general, his net positive to the world is that, is exactly that. It's net positive. It does, but I think he also needs to understand the stuff that he does and sometimes the way he makes definitive statements about stuff. And his take on personal responsibility, stuff like that can rub a lot of people up the wrong way. But that's all of us. That's all of us. You know, we all should take like a second, and I don't know if it's good or bad, take a second before we hit that publish button, before we hit yeah. that send button, because we never know. And me, for example, like I used to tweet way more jokes and way more things back in the day, and I don't really do it anymore because I'm like, God, in what way are people going to jump down my throat about this? And Daniel gets it more than anybody. And I genuinely feel bad about that because Daniel is a good guy in general. He, he does not deserve the hate that he gets. Sure. Uh, we have unfinished business from last week. We bring you now the second part of our PCA recap. Out of the darkness and into the fire. Because the one thing, the big thing that we did not discuss on last week's podcast, Joe, was the PCA Comedy Night. Um, So do you want to give the background to this and and explain how it came to be? I'm glad you mentioned that was the big thing we did not talk about because I was afraid it would just get swept under the rug like, oh, this is the Stapes thing that we don't talk about. But yes, no, it uh, it was a lot of work went into it from a lot of different people. And uh, the way it came about was that for years, you remember, James, I had sort of pitched the idea of like, hey, there's a comedy club in Atlantis. We should do a comedy show. And I was never really confident enough to really push it. Uh, I had floated the idea a few times and people were easily able to dismiss it. And that was okay with me because I wasn't a great stand up then. And I'm not I'm not even saying that I am now, but I was a less confident stand up then. And then this year, uh, a guy named Clayton Fletcher, who you guys might know from being a, a guest uh, spot on our podcast. He's going to be our guest in just a few minutes here. I finished, I think, 27th or 28th in the main event, of the World Series this year. He's a stand up comic. He's a friend of mine. And he texted me. He goes, why don't you see if they'll do a stand up comedy show at the PCA this year? And I was like, you know what? As long as Clayton's asking, sure, let's do it. And to my surprise, the first person I texted it to said, this is a good idea. Let me take it upstairs. And the people upstairs went, this is a great idea. I'm Let's surprised that you were surprised. I mean, you've been at our events for the last however many years, and you know how there has been this increasing focus on finding stuff to do at these events, at the various destinations we go to that's not just poker. For sure. But I guess what was surprising for me is that 
uh, and as much as I might play the role of this on our podcasts and our webcast, like I'm not a really big self promoter. Um, it's, it's a joke I do when we're doing whatever, but when I pitched this idea of like, let's do a comedy show with me as a headliner, I was like, Oh, it's probably like a little bit too much self promotion for anyone to go for this. So that's why I was surprised because it was like kind of about me. Luckily, Luckily, they made it not about me very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, as soon as they liked the idea, they were like, well, if we actually, like, put some effort into this, who is the biggest stand-up comedian do you think we could get? And as you know, James, Norm MacDonald is just an absolute idol of mine, and and, and a lot of comedians around the world regard him as one of the best of all time. And I said, look, Norm and I are friendly. He loves poker. He loves being a part of the scene. I bet I could convince him to do this. And they said, sure, go ahead and talk to Norm and see if he wants to do it. And Norm said yes. So, And that's when it all of a sudden became a real thing. Like, I do think that the, the comedy night would have been nearly as, possi- uh, nearly as popular without him. But the fact that we did have him was just a slam dunk. And so we, we filled the room. So this was on day three of the PSPC, and I think it's fair to say that you were a tad distracted that day. I was definitely distracted, and at first when they suggested we do it on day three, it sounded like a great idea, which most things do to me because I'm not a naysayer. I'm a very positive person. So when people went, oh, let's do it on day three, most of the Platinum Pass winners will still be around. And uh, a bunch of folks will have gone broke already but because it's bubble day, but they'll still be around. And I was like, great, that sounds like a really good idea. Idiot that I am failed to recognize the fact that this meant that play was going to end much later than it normally would, as it always does on bubble day. Yes. Okay, well, at this point, should we get the perspective of one of your uh, co-performers? On yeah, the let's show. Do it. Uh, please welcome to Poker in the Ears, making his first appearance on the podcast, Clayton Fletcher. Hi there, Clayton. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It's going well. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, you recently made your debut on the live stream because you were in the Bahamas for the comedy night, which we are in the middle of talking about. But I just realized, and this is really remiss of me, when we had you on the live stream, we didn't really take the time to get to know Clayton Fletcher, and I don't really feel we gave you the proper introduction and the mini biography that you deserved. So now It's is- hard to do with cards up coverage, like there's always a hand going on. Remember when we used to do cards down, we had like a little time to talk about stuff, if there was someone tabled their hand, we could, but now it's like, oh wait, we know what's happening every hand now. That is true. But I kind of feel that you're that comedian guy that Joe knows and you do a podcast, but I need to know more. So Clayton, tell us about yourself. What is your story? Or to ask it as Joe would ask, what is your deal, bro? (laughs) Okay. So my deal, bro, is uh, I'm a poker player. I have been for most of my life. Uh, My mother was uh, a semi-professional poker player herself, and she was kind of generally good at all games. And I have two brothers. We were extremely competitive, and we used to play uh, poker as well as Monopoly, backgammon, any other game where you can beat your friends and beat your family and feel victorious uh, after dinner. We did it, uh, and we would play poker for money. Um, you know, I would save up my allowance so that I could play seven card stud against my mother and my two brothers, and uh, mom would pretty much win 80, 90 percent of the time. 
So we learned valuable lessons about money management <laughs> and playing in tough games uh, at a very young age. Was there uh, any mercy from your mom? Did she ever give money back or? No, no, no. She wouldn't give the money back, <laughs> but she would. But she would make sure that she told us what what we did wrong. She's like, you should have folded on Fourth Street, but you stayed in there <laughs> trying to hit your stupid inside straight. So that's why you can't afford to buy Matchbox cars this week. <laughs> So, in addition to paying the looking price, you did get free lessons as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would call it free, but yes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, not exactly free lessons. But, you know, it kind of, uh, at, an, at an early age, instilled a love for the game uh, into me. At the same time, I had a father who was a professional jazz musician, and uh, we actually had a music studio within our house. So, we had some of the best jazz musicians from the Baltimore, Washington area where I grew up, uh, come over the house and make incredible music. So that uh, poker game, when I got older, we started having more people over than just the family. Uh, some of my mother's friends uh, from the uh, underground, <laughs> if you will, uh, would sure. come over. So we'd have the soundtrack for the seven card stud game would be my father on bass and some of the best musicians you've ever heard uh, down in the basement, but it wasn't soundproof. So we could hear the music really well so it was kind of nice and to this day if i have a home game in my house i want jazz in the background i was just thinking here you know that expression i want to be person x when i grow up i want to be clayton fletcher growing up <laughs> what an amazing youth just playing poker and hanging out with jazz musicians yeah it was a pretty interesting childhood to say the least um and then my dad my, my mom was teaching me how to play poker but my dad was teaching me all about music and I ended up getting a scholarship to college uh, for music and theater. So, you know, I moved to New York originally hoping to be an actor. And then I kind of discovered stand-up comedy from there. Um, and it, it ended up being a perfect job for a poker player because comedy takes me all around the world, all around the country. And a lot of places you go uh, after the show, um, all of the, the staff at most of the comedy clubs wants to offer you drinks or worse. And, you know, I was always like kind of, I, I hate to say it, but stayed out of trouble by going to the casino, which doesn't make sense, <laughs> but that's what happened. Uh, Joe, at what point did you learn of Clayton's existence and did you try to have him killed because you're meant to be the poker funny guy? <laughs> no, like Clayton actually has only been, uh, has advanced me and has helped me out in the comedy world. Uh, basically, Clayton, uh, I was just randomly hitting people up to do their open mic nights uh, when I moved to New York and I emailed Clayton randomly and he was like, are you Joe Stapleton, the poker guy? You don't have to do an open mic night. Let me put you on, on a, in a real comedy club on a Saturday night, like immediately. And I was just so grateful for that. And to be honest, it like, wasn't my best performance ever. And Clayton was unbelievably understanding and was, uh, just, uh, has always been my advocate and like, honestly one of the best resources i've ever had in the poker world and clayton what, what i what i wanted to ask you is that uh much like myself like a lot of your advancement in the comedy world has come from being a poker player as well right yeah definitely um you know certainly being on espn last summer has got my name out there a lot more um you know people just they recognize me a little bit more um from the poker stuff that i do and in fact the show in the bahamas uh, led to me making friends. I ended up playing in a cash game the next day after we did the gig in the Bahamas. 
And uh, I'm sitting with this guy and he's like, hey, man, your show was really good. I really enjoyed you guys. And it was really fun going to the comedy show and everything. I'm like, yeah, yeah, thanks. He's like, by the way, I own a comedy club in Canada and uh, I, I, I can get you some gigs. Up Holy there. shit. So I ended up getting like, it looks like I'm going to have like nine or ten weeks of work in Canada because we did a show in the Bahamas. That's so. fantastic. And that's one of the things that I really love about poker is that I've I've ended up meeting people that I would have no business ever meeting or hanging out with. And I've been able to sit at poker tables with them and, and advance myself. I mean, look, I don't have nine or ten weeks worth of work in Canada next year, <laughs> but but in general, like that's that's one of the great things about poker is that you meet people you would never otherwise meet. Well, that was the first thing I asked him. I was like, uh, so nine weeks in Canada. That sounds great. Can I bring Joe Stapleton with me? And he's uh, like, oh, let's let's change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> so what is actually, I mean, you don't have to give exact percentages, but what, what pays the bills, Clayton? Is it the comedy or is it the poker? Yeah, uh, most years it's 50-50. Um, last year I had an exceptional poker year, obviously. Um, so, yeah, and I didn't make anywhere near a quarter million dollars doing comedy last year. <laughs> <laughs> that would be tough. Me neither, just for the record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so last year uh, poker won. But, you know, uh, I, I figured the way I look at it, it's kind of like uh, any uh, investment. Like I invest in myself and I have a diversified portfolio. You know, like I have a one hat that I wear where I'm a, a, a comedy producer. So in addition to performing in shows, I actually put some shows together. And so then I'm like kind of the, the CEO of that show, if you will. Um, so that pays some bills. And then I also have a cottage industry where I teach business people how to do stand up to improve their communication skills for presentations and stuff like that. So I've been in more boardrooms than any poker playing comedian in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's, that's really fun. Board, I really enjoy doing that. More boardrooms yeah. than me is basically yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> for sure. Statement. And you've yeah. been able to combine the two in terms of performance and poker with the podcast that you do. Or am I right in thinking that it's, it's more of a strategic podcast than, uh, than this stuff and nonsense that we have? Yeah, so I'm the host of the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Uh, which, in addition to Poker Road, is the the poker podcast that I kind of grew up on, uh, and and those guys basically got too busy to do the podcast anymore, and so now all of a sudden I'm at the helm, and so yeah, I get, they really give me carte blanche to do whatever I want. I mean, all they ask is that we talk about uh, strategy, like we do hand histories, like I'll have one of their pros on, and we'll talk about uh, you know whatever hands they play. But you know, it's just if I'm doing it, then there's going to be some like humor to it just because that's how i communicate with people you have to so, yeah so it's not like it's a comedy podcast per se like i don't think like my hardcore stand-up comedy fans are going to be like oh i gotta listen to clayton's poker podcast but um on the other side of the coin i think the poker players enjoy a little levity with their poker strategy at least uh most of them do but as joe can tell you you definitely can't please everyone on twitter <laughs> so here we have someone who is an accomplished poker player, who is a comedian, who can genuinely do poker strategy. Where were you, Clayton, in 2010 when they needed a commentator for the big game? Shut up! <laughs> I was at home watching the big game like, wow, I wish I could have that job. <laughs> so, Clayton, I, I know that you, one of the things that put you on the map was uh, a 2 plus 2 slash blog uh, post where you talked about uh, getting more women into the game. So I'm going to ask you the same question that a lot of women get asked, which is you're a dad. How do you balance poker and comedy and being a dad? Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. I wrote a post a while back for the two plus two magazine 
Uh, it was after we had a really good World Series of Poker. I think it was two or three years ago where the main event had a, a really good field. Uh, not as good as last year, but, but it was pretty good. And still only like 3% of the field was female. So I wrote this post about what we need to do to attract more women. Um, basically, the the post that I wrote got shared and a lot of people commentated and it kind of got the conversation started. Yeah, it did very well. It went mini, it went poker viral. Yeah, poker viral, exactly, on poker Twitter and other poker media. And, you know, we had some heavy hitters kind of commenting, oh, I really enjoyed your article, I agree with this, blah, blah, blah. Um, but still, you know, very few guys take the advice in that article, so that just tells you how important it is actually <laughs> right. to them. But, yeah, as far as balancing my life, you know, like I have my private life, my home life, and then I have my career. And, you know, balancing them, it's just a matter of you have to kind of budget your time as you would your money. It's like, you know, I have X amount of hours in the day. I need to get these 28 things done uh, and I take care of all of them. And then if I have a big trip coming up, like the World Series of Poker or, you know, a couple of weeks in the Bahamas, whatever, whatever it may be, you know, it's just a little bit more work to make arrangements and make sure that everything at home is taken care of. So uh, I think it's possible, but you just kind of have to be diligent and, you know, just like any single mom or <laughs> any any parent will tell you it's like when someone is counting on you for their life uh you find a way to make it work yeah for sure uh we were talking about the pca comedy show clayton and joe's provided the background how it came about uh you getting involved norm mcdonald being hired to headline and we came to the day itself and i'm interested to know what was going on backstage and you can give us an insight into what happened when joe left the booth having clayton i i feel like you're a much better person to describe the comedy night than me because as you could tell i was sort of distraught Well, I mean, look, uh, Norm MacDonald, most of his heroes are poker players. And uh, for me, like, you know, I want to be uh, respected by not only the comedy community, but the poker community. And now we're, we're backstage. We're getting ready to do a show for, I don't know, four or five hundred poker players, many of whom are like the people that we would most want to impress, given the opportunity. <laughs> right. And. I was basically uh, pacing back and forth, sweating, uh, you know, and I was trying not to let Norm see that I was worried because I felt like Norm was kind of picking up other people's energy and I didn't want him to get all stressed out. But we talked about it the next day because the day after the comedy night, Norm had a day off and we played a bunch of sit and goes in the poker room, which is another story altogether. But on that comedy night, man, we were all totally stressed out. Uh, I ended up deflecting and trying to uh, get into Ben's head just because that was fun. Uh, <laughs> Clayton, honestly, like Norm, for some reason, decided that he was going to make me even more stressed out. And Clayton was the only voice of reason in the room going, Norm, what are you fucking doing what right now? What are you now? doing? Yeah, I don't know if Norm realizes. Uh, he must, you know, he just he's always leveling everybody. Like Norm is the ultimate troll, live troll. He's just like, wow, Joe, uh, everybody's uh, expecting you to be real funny there, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Nor- Norm's like Norm, like my idol, like one of my comedy idols, like, no, like fucking no exaggeration, like one of the people that has most influenced me in comedy. You can hear it when you listen to my commentary, the influence that Norm has had over me. He looks at me and goes, 
well, what if uh, he's like, you know, everybody in the in the audience? And I'm like, pretty much. Yeah. He goes, well, what if they hate you? <laughs> and Clayton is like, Norm, what are you doing? Why wow. are you saying this to him? Crucially, they didn't hate you. This show was a huge success, but I, I, I've already mentioned several times I couldn't be there. Am I right in thinking that there was one person who was not a fan or was trying to ruin the evening for everyone else? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Um well, you know, early on in the show, now somebody in the in the audience was very, very drunk. Uh, probably more than one person was, but this guy was particularly drunk. And from what I heard after the fact, uh, this gentleman didn't actually have a group of friends with him. He was kind of there by himself, really drunk in the back, and kind of like you know, getting everybody warmed up. You know, Joe was making some lighthearted jokes about uh, you know. We got four comedians and only two of them suck. So come on, it's going to be fun, right? So uh, it kind of got like got people laughing in the beginning of the show. He did a great job of warming up the audience. But I think, I thought about this later, I think that drunk guy heard Joe say that two of them are going to suck and he decided to yell out at one random moment, you suck. And then later he did it again. And then he did it to me. I don't think he did it to Norm though. I think by the time Norm went on, they finally got that idiot drunk heckler out of the crowd. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, Joe and I have done a lot of stand-up comedy shows and we've all, we've been heckled plenty of times. Like it does happen, but you would think in a setting like that where you're getting a free show and you get to see Norm Macdonald perform for free, you would at least have the class to not yell out, you suck in the first three <laughs> minutes of the show. But right. no. and, and what I heard about that guy is that he was already shit-faced before he even walked into the theater. And uh, Clayton, you can speak to this as much as I can, that the, the hecklers I've encountered, I encountered mostly think they're helping. Right. And it was the same story with this guy where he was like, isn't it great? Isn't it great that like I gave Stapes the opportunity to shut me down? Isn't it great that I like gave Clayton that opportunity to like tell me what an asshole I am? And you're like, <laughs> no, actually, like it worked out OK in this case. But really, no, they're taking time away from what they're doing. And that was this guy's thing. And eventually, Gary Gates, who was uh, a, a driving force in making this happen in the first place, did throw him out after uh, after Clayton had his way with him. Which, again, because me and Clayton handled it in a way that ended up working out well and getting a laugh, doesn't mean we want that in the future. Yeah, so if you were there that night and you come see us again the next time we do a show... Uh, don't think, oh, I'll be the you suck guy this time. <laughs> yeah, it's not a role <laughs> that needs that to be filled in his absence. I'm interested in hearing about these sit and goes, Clayton, because I did see uh, some videos, some images of Norm playing. I was with... so fucking jealous, James. Honestly, I was so goddamn jealous that the next day all Norm wanted to do was bask in a job well done and hang out with people. And then all the people now Clayton already knew Norm, but all the people that I had introduced Norm to became better friends with fucking Norm than I was. I mean, <laughs> I saw sitting at that table, Phil Helmuth, uh, Griffin Benger, Benjamin Spraggy. Sprague, Sean yes. Deeb, Tim Riley. It was, it was, a, it was a really good lineup. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we had a great time. Uh, you know, when Norm told me that's what—that's how he wanted to spend his day off, I said, yeah, I'm all for it. We'll do one case sit and goes. And uh, Norm said, well, you know, do you think they'll have one case sit and goes? I'm like, Norm, if you want to play one case sit and goes, they will have one case sit and goes. Like, don't worry about that. Um, 
So yeah, Matt Stout was really instrumental in this as well because he uh, tweeted about it. Uh, unfortunately, most of the people that are friends with Matt Stout are just as good as, at poker as he is. So it wasn't exactly the lineup that Norm and I were looking for. Uh, but that said, I think we played four and Norm cashed in three of them. Like in general, like if you're anything like me, you will often play in games that you're minus EV in because you want to just be in that game. And I assume that's what happened with those sit and goes. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't think Norm was a favorite to uh, to cash in three out of four of those sit and goes with those lineups. But it was just, uh, you know, the photo ops of. You know, having uh, you know Norm McDonald, Phil Helmuth, and me. I was like, everybody, please take as many pictures of this as possible. Clayton, um, can you can you recount what happened later that night with the uh, the roulette spins? Oh god, <laughs> this is amazing, James. I don't even think I told you this story. So uh, you're talking about the guy that wanted to play with Norm, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so uh, there was a fan, a comedy fan, uh, who spotted Norm on the casino floor. And said, "Hey, uh, I, I want you to come play roulette with me. It's my treat, right?" And uh, Norm's like, "No, no, no, thanks. That's weird. I don't want to do that." <laughs> and then uh, basically, Helmuth brokered the deal for him because the guy wanted to give Norm five thousand to play with, and Norm uh, Helmuth talks him up to ten. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Well, Norm, now you got to do it. The guy's offering ten thousand dollars. You got to do it." So, um, yeah, so they start, you know, just going crazy, you know, DJing all the way, playing some uh, roulette late, like, I don't know, two, three in the morning. Uh, Norm ends up running it up to like $28,000 or wow. something. And the guy takes his 10K back and le leaves the rest in Norm. He said, thanks for uh, hanging out with me. That was fun. So uh, whatever Norm got paid for doing that comedy show, you can add another 18000 to it or whatever. Right. And Clay won't say this, but I will. But then Phil Helmuth took a percentage for brokering the deal. <laughs> I was going to leave that detail out. Yes, I I'm was. putting it in there. I do not mind fucking putting Classic. Phil Helmuth on blast. Classic Helmuth. Um, Clayton, before you go, I don't know whether Joe warned you when you were invited on this podcast, but you will be subjected to one of Joe's trademark dumb games. Uh, what have you got for Clayton, Joe? All right, this game is called Now You're Messing With a Son of a Bit. And nice. uh, the game is you just got to tell me whose bit this is. And typically, I will give people multiple choices, but I have so much confidence in you, oh, no. Clayton. I'm so this bad isn't this. so much a oh, stupid no, I... game as a, a comedy trivia quiz. This is actually it's reasonably a... sensible. Oh my god, I'm going to be terrible at this game. Trivia quiz, exactly. I'll, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll help you out. I'll, I'll just start off with uh, reading it normally, and if you can't get it, I'll try it in their voice. Here we go. Question number one. I think if you've got a t-shirt with a blood stain all over it, maybe laundry isn't your biggest problem. That's a very familiar joke. I've heard that before. Um, well, yeah, why don't you do it in the voice just to give me a little... I think if you've got a t-shirt with a blood stain all over it, maybe laundry isn't your biggest problem. <laughs> and doing impressions, obviously not your best uh, strength <laughs> either. Uh, <laughs> is that Seinfeld? That's Seinfeld. There Seinfeld. it is. Okay, it. all right. Good. I thought it was. I should have been more confident because I thought it was Seinfeld when you first said it. Question number two. Every town has the same two malls. The one white people go to and the one white people used to go to. 
<laughs> That's a funny line. I never heard it before. I think it could be Dave Chappelle. All right, here we go. Every town has the same two malls. The one <laughs> white people go to and the one white people used to go to. All right, Chris Rock. <laughs> Chris Rock is correct. By the way, that's the worst Chris Rock I ever heard. Uh, <laughs> you got the fucking question. I love that. Can I have that. a clue, please? Yes, I can. Thank you for the clue, and now I'm going to berate you for giving me that clue. <laughs> I'm going to tell you your clue sucks. Question number three. We stole countries. That's how you build empires. We stole countries with the stunning use of flags. Hmm. Yeah, that one also... Also, does not ring a bell at all. You can Hector a Hardigan on this one. You can Hector a Hardigan. Okay, that's an Eddie Izzard bet. Eddie Izzard is correct. Here we go. Oh, nice. This one you should be able to get very easily, Clayton. Jesus is magic. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. <laughs> that's my girl. Most underrated comedian working today, in my opinion. Uh, Sarah Silverman, for correct. sure. Sarah Silverman is correct. Four for four. Here we go. Uh, next next comic up here is a controversial comic. It's a comic that Norm has gone to record and he doesn't like, but here we go. Quote is, I say fuck shoes. Your shoes don't do not represent you, neither here nor in a court of law. No clue. No clue. I, I can't even do an impression of that's that's a Dane Cook bit. Oh, okay. Alright. You're, you're four for five. Here we go. Question number six. I have more pictures of my kids than my dad even looked at me. <laughs> That's a great line. Is that Jim Gaffigan? It is Jim Gaffigan. Correct. Yes. yes. All right. One last question to go. Uh, whenever I get to a hotel, the first thing I do is hang the do not disturb sign on the door or for the Spanish speaking, no moleste. Right. Uh... Trying to balance things here. Trying to balance things. Trying to balance. Oh, I feel like that balance thing is a clue. Cancer survivor. Oh, oh, Tignataro. Tignataro is correct. <laughs> I'm going to give Clayton Fletcher a six and a half out of seven there, or five and a half out of seven. One That's full fair. question wrong. Clayton Fletcher, thank you so much. Thanks for being on the show, and thank you uh, for being such a such a guiding light in my comedy career i appreciate you well thank you joe it's a pleasure to be on the show and uh you know keep on keeping on guys we love the podcast everybody check me out on twitter clayton comic me and clayton are doing a show together on march 22nd friday march 22nd the clayton fletcher show at greenwich village comedy club uh it's a friday night show 8 p.m and if you want tickets go to the clayton fletcher show.com that's right. TheClaytonFletcherShow.com for tickets, and we'll see you there. Poker in the ears. So far be it for me, James, to make this entire show about <laughs> me. What did you just say about how the self-promotion bit is all an act? You know that I just I hate to make this entire podcast about <laughs> me. I have had a rather interesting couple of weeks here in los angeles one of which being that when we got done with the podcast last week josh molina dm me and he was like no seriously i would love to play poker with you how does next friday sound and i was like i'm in like i'm in and so i went to to josh's house and luckily so i've been in a couple of these hollywood home games before 
And luckily, Josh has actually played near the level people claim it is. Like the first time I went to a Hollywood home game, not the first time, but like one of the, was Sam Simon's game. And Sam's like, it's a $200 buy-in. Little did I know that a $200 buy-in meant everyone was going to be all in on the first hand. <laughs> so luckily, Josh's game was a 2-3 game. And yes, it played like a little bit bigger, like a lot of home games do. It's yeah. not like specific to Hollywood. Um, but I had, a, I had a really good time and I played fairly nitty but also i got the i got a the worst run of cards like you know that obviously being dealt seven four you have the same odds of being dealt seven four as you do of being dealt ace king i was dealt ace king exactly zero times while i was at josh's house and i got dealt seven four at least 10 times and that's awful because you don't want to be that guy who just sits folding every single hand Exactly. I don't want to be the knit. I don't want to be the guy that's folding. And what ended up happening is I lost my first buy-in because I was just trying to be the guy that is like a good team player. Joe was trying to be affable and went broke. Exactly. That is that is like the that might be the actual title of my biography. <laughs> Joe was trying to be affable and went broke. Like that is literally the story of my life. Um, was so, this was this a celebrity-infested home game, or was it more Josh's friends? It wasn't infested, but it was like a couple of actors. Nobody that no people would be like super impressed by. But also the guy who was there was the co-creator of Celebrity Poker Showdown that Josh referenced yes. a bunch of times uh, when he was on our show, which is uh, Andrew Hill Newman. And Andrew is the sweetest guy, like just the nicest dude. And unfortunately, he is the guy I doubled through twice. Ah. To make sure that I did not lose this game with any pro uh, with any loss, so it it was just a fun, nice game, and you know, obviously, some of the stuff we talked about I can't really share on the air, but I did, uh, as a result of other things I've done in Hollywood, get invited to this uh, charity tournament at the Geffen Playhouse in Los Angeles, and I don't know if you've you've probably heard of it, right? Yes, I have heard of it. And I think you set this one up last week that someone had bought a table and couldn't go and so was desperately trying to fill it and in their desperation landed on you in their contacts. Exactly. So like the Geffen Playhouse is this theater in Los Angeles where like tons of huge name actors either got their start or occasionally will do a play. And it's like, you know, you'll go see just insanely big names doing plays in this little tiny theater in Los Angeles and Hank Azaria, who is uh, most, most of his fortune comes from the Simpsons. Uh, just, it was $10,000 or $12,000 for a table, bought a table, couldn't go and assigned it to a friend of his to fill the table. And luckily I am friends with a friend of his who got me to go do this. Um, and of course I was more than happy to do it. And like Cameron Mannheim was there, Jennifer Locke, it's Jennifer Locke, Jennifer Tilly and Phil Locke were there. Julie Hill was there. Well, this is basically you playing poker with the cast of the West Wing. That's what you're... Which is hilarious. No, but the funny part is that Dulé Hill wasn't even playing in the event. He was actually only there because he was in a play at the Geffen Playhouse that's running right now. So he just stopped by, which is hilarious because I've he's a poker guy and I've seen him at other cherry events before. We know each other. And of course, the, the legend has is that Josh Molina taught him how to play poker 
backstage at the West Wing and then promptly took all of his money. <laughs> That's normally how it works. Right. And so, and it was very cool. And this guy named Bill Fagerbake came up to me and Bill, uh, you probably don't know the name, but he plays the voice of uh, Patrick on SpongeBob. And he was like, look, I just want to tell you, uh, I'm a big fan of what you do. I'm, and it's really kind of weird to go in these poker circles and find out that people really do enjoy what we do, James. Many people asked about you. And as much as I'm like I, it feeds my own ego. I just want you to know that it's it's both of us that people really and people saying everyone loves a chop pot. Um, and I met a guy. This is probably the most interesting person I met. I met a guy who was both Muhammad Ali's and Sandy Koufax's agent. <laughs> and he became Sandy Koufax's agent when he was seventeen years old because he had been hounding sandy koufax from when he was 13 years old wow and finally at 13 sandy koufax caved in and then at like age 20 muhammad ali caved in as well and this dude muhammad ali obviously has passed on but like sandy koufax is still alive this guy's been sandy koufax's agent for like 40 years and again this is why i love poker i love poker because you meet people and you sit at a poker table with people who you are to from totally different strata of society and you end up hanging out with these people. I have no business hanging out with Muhammad Ali's agent of 40 years, but because of poker, he was gladly telling me these stories after we both went broke, which is what I'm going to get into now oh. when we talk about hand histories. No hand history here, but I managed to double up, like nearly double up on the very first hand. I got dealt ace king under the gun. And if you know anything about the way I play poker, this I'm automatically sick to my stomach. I don't want to play the first hand. I don't want to be dealt ace king under the gun. And these charity tournaments, James, as you know, you've done a few of them. It's actually like kind of tough to play in them because we're pretty good at making live reads, right? Yeah, but you're playing against people. You don't even know if they know the basic rules of Hold'em. You don't even know if they know the ranking of hands. But exactly. equally, you know the structure is going to be ridiculously turbo-ish. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter whether you're starting with a, a 50 big blind stack or a 200 big blind stack. If you've got ace-king, you have to go with it. Because in these things, you've got to play fast and loose and try and double up early. Exactly. And so I raised pre-flop an ace came on the flop i bet it a king came on the turn i bet it he called it was call call river i bet again he called and he ended up making two pair by the end but i'm terrified by the end when i'm betting like four that we start with ten thousand chips i'm betting four thousand on the river and he calls me and i'm like ah shit i'm fucked and it turns out that he just has jack nine for two pair and so I'm like oh god but like it, these charity tournaments are very weird however that hand's not important, but I do have two hands that I'd like to talk to you about. Let's do it. It's a fantastic journey through space and time. It's Hand Histories. All right, so the blinds are 100-200. Uh, the hijack limps, <laughs> the cutoff limps. Classic charity event. Classic charity event. The button folds. I call out of the big blind. Uh, sorry, I don't call. I check out of the big blind with uh, King Four of Diamonds nice the flop so the flop is queen 10 for two diamonds so i'm like okay this sucks that's my mentality by the how way. is that you've got a pair and a flush draw right and i'm a like backdoor this sucks straight draw because now i have to continue in this hand 
So the hijack uh, bets. Sorry, the hijack checks. Hang on. First of all, first of all, you're so bad at hand histories. You're in the big blind. You're first to speak. So what do you do? I check. Okay. I check. The hijack checks. The cutoff bets 500. Okay. I call the hijack folds. Which means we're heads up going to the turn. The turn's a queen, which I don't love, but I'm like, hey, if I hit my diamond, I'm still probably good. Uh, The cutoff bets 500. I call again. The river. The river is a 10 of diamonds. Oh, this is every, horrible. Yeah, every fiber of my being is like, you're beat here. You can't call any bet. Just fold. And then the cutoff bets 500. The thing is, though, I know it's only 500, but having a flush on a double paired board is absolutely worthless. Although, are you playing against someone who's value betting ace high? Oh, it's so hard. It's exactly, so hard. Exactly. No idea if he even knows what hand he has, so I call. So hang on a second, yeah, because you doubled up on the first hand, so you've got a, you've got some chips to play with. You call out of curiosity. So what did he have? The queen or the ten? He had the ten. Right. Which, in my mind, like justifies the call a little bit more. I'm like, well, he didn't really have anything until the river, so whatever, fine. Uh, Second hand. Hand histories. Same position, same villain. Pre-flop action. So the blinds are 200, 400. Same villain, uh, limps for 400. This time the button calls, and I'm in a big blind with ace-queen, and I make it 1,400. Okay. And my my only goal in this is I just I just want everyone to fold. I just want. Yeah, I'm you're gonna get queen. at least I'm one caller queen. here. I this right. I, I this this is probably the right play, by the way. In this particular situation, I am more inclined just to check and just hope to hit big on the flop. I am also inclined to check, but I'm like, what would a good poker player do? Right. Okay. And so I make it 1,400. So the cutoff calls, the button folds. Right. So it's it heads up against the same villain as last time, going to the flop. So the flop is ace high, three diamonds. So you have top pair. You don't have a diamond. You don't have the queen of diamonds, for example. I don't have any diamond. No, okay. I have no diamond. So uh, I again, the action's on me to start. And this time I bet a thousand. Right. Cut off calls. The turn. The turn is a queen. Two pair. So now I, exactly. Now I have two pair and I'm like, okay, anything but a flush I'm beating right now. Like pretty much anything but a flush I'm beating. So I bet 2,000 now to try to protect against another diamond and the cutoff calls. Okay. The river. The river is a non-diamond. I don't remember what card it was. It's a nine di- non-diamond I check. And the cutoff bet's 1,000. Easy call. Easy call. But I, James, am an idiot. And I see that the cutoff has about 4K left behind. So I decide... I'm like, what's the odds that he flops a flush? I'm all in. Hang on. Can I ask why you did that? Because I think he might call me with an ace. I think he might call me with a pair of kings. I think he might call me with a 10. So you I think, think might- normally we would say in the situation that you're only going to get called by hands that are beating you. But in this particular situation against this type of player, you're thinking there's a chance that you do get called by a worse hand. I think I genuinely have the best hand here, and so that le- not raising leaves money on the table. In retrospect, 
I agree with the question you just asked. I'm an idiot. I shove, he calls, shows 10 of diamonds, 4 of diamonds. So he did flop the flush. He limped flopped in with two flush. random diamonds, called your pre-flop raise, yes. and flopped it, and then just called you on every street and got maximum value yes. on the river. And, and so, again, I was explaining my rationale at the time, but in retrospect, yes, there's no point me raising there. That's a very idiotic play. I'm sorry, Joe. I, I want to play the drop. I know it doesn't apply to you, but for this guy, <laughs> it was... Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Sorry look, about we, that. I wasn't I was, I was trying to rub it in. No, it's fine. Look, we have the drop. We might as well use it. I'd rather the drop get used. Like me losing has, you know, it's going to, it happened no matter what. So I also played a third hand with the same guy where I bet into him on the flop and turn. And he checked back the river showing a set of kings, which was the nuts. Uh, you so, immediately called the floor and said, penalty, penalty. Yeah, of course. Of course, that's what I did. No, and I was like, okay, man, good hand. I I can't beat you. Literally, I can't beat you. After that, I had like no chips left. I got it all in. No, whatever. It's a charity tournament. I lost. The most interesting hand, though, yeah. was between Andrew Hill Newman, the co-creator of Celebrity of, Poker Showdown. Uh, yeah, Celebrity Poker Showdown, and another fella. They ended up getting it all in on a flop of Jack, Jack, Eight. Andrew Hill Newman had jack eight yep. for a flop full house yeah the other guy had pocket eights oh. for another flop full house the turn was an eight <gasps> the river was a jack what a ridiculous setup and the place went fucking wild yeah, i mean this is like and a classic movie hand this is a you know hollywood scriptwriter's dream so it's funny you should mention a movie hand because the guy that won the tournament was a dude named Mark Weinstock. Now, does that name sound familiar to you? No, I'm not taking a drink at this point because I do not consider this gentleman to be famous. Mark Weinstock is the guy that wrote Deal. (laughs) (laughs) Did you uh, link him to the podcast where we discussed his his 2008 movie? Of course I did not. But I also wondered, like, did someone fold aces to him? fucking pre-flop before wow that jack eight eight hand is insane it's insane and i had to say and there was another hand that happened at our table and i go look i'm a poker commentator i've seen a lot of hands in my time that jack eight eight hand is actually like moves my needle like that is something yeah that is genuinely worth talking about i don't see that every day uh, i enjoy these uh, stories from the life of stapes joe we clearly need to be playing more poker i appreciate that that is a net loss for you rather than a net gain <laughs> and you want to be taking part in activities that actually earn you money <laughs> but it's it's all good stuff uh right let's bring on this week's super fan one of them loves the ept knows it inside out and would do anything for the european poker tour the other one is joe stapleton it's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, this week for Superfan versus Stapes, we are going to Canada. We say hello to Alex Parkin. Hello, Alex. Hello, guys. How are you? Sounds like you're in a place where there's some stuff going on. What's happening? Uh, I took uh, I took a little stroll out of my my cubicle to uh, go down to a hotel in Toronto here and just sit down in the nice open spot. At the front desk, <laughs> James. When you and I used to work in Toronto, there was a there was a hotel at the front desk where we where we worked. Do we think Alex is working in the same place? Possibly. I just had visions of Alex booking himself a hotel room for this segment of the podcast, and I <laughs> kind of felt that was a little bit extravagant and a little bit unnecessary. Um, so you're a Toronto resident, Alex? 
Uh, yeah, I live just outside of Toronto uh, in the GTA. Um, a little small town. You guys probably wouldn't have heard of it. <laughs> in the Grand Theft Auto? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I work I work downtown uh, for, uh, for a big bank, so... Well, Joe and I are huge fans of the city of Toronto. And the bizarre thing is, on the few trips that I've made there, we have met so many poker fans. It seems like one person in three is a PokerStars player and has watched a PokerStars live stream, TV show, listened to the podcast. Uh, Poker's poker's still pretty big in Canada, it seems. Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely have a couple of chat rooms that I, you know, I go into and talk to some different people. There's not a lot of uh, casinos down here, though. You have to travel quite a bit to get to a decent table or two. That is true. But the online pokers, that is very much part of the Canadian scene. And as you know, in this quiz, we do give you the chance uh, to, to win some online credits and satellite tickets to the next leg of the European Poker Tour. Um, so what do you do when you're not playing poker, Alex? What is, what's your life all about? Uh, so currently I'm working uh, in anti-money laundering, which is actually Ooh. pretty exciting. Kind of nice, cool. nice, yes. Um, so, but then on my spare time... Uh, I've been training for triathlons just in the last year or so, and recently just got engaged. Wow, it's all going on in the life of Alex Parkin. <laughs> See, this yeah. is the this is the thing, James. You gotta get so you. I know you're locked up already. You're married, but you gotta get into good shape before you get into this engagement body. You gotta run a triathlon. <laughs> yeah, if I would have uh, if I would have proposed five years ago. Uh, I don't know if she would have said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats, man. Like, I can't possibly fathom. And when you say triathlon, you mean swimming, running, bicycling? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I bought a bike uh, last summer, and then I started swimming. And once I hit my first open water kind of practice, I was like, oh, what did I do? Yeah, it's pretty hardcore for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You nominated your superfan subject towards the end of last year alex uh, a movie from the mid 1990s called the ghost in the darkness and i vaguely and i emphasize vaguely remember seeing this val kilmer michael douglas and some lions is that the one <laughs> yeah exactly i remember this being a far better movie than it had any right to be and i'm going to tell you right now alex uh i did not have a chance to rewatch this movie so the, uh, uh You've you've got uh, uh, you've got favor uh, shining upon you for this one, but in general, this I remember being like this is like a pretty solid movie based on what the principle of it is. Um, yeah, and I thought so too because I I remember watching it when I was a lot younger, probably ten plus years ago, fifteen years ago, and I rewatched it just this past weekend and. I got to tell you, it doesn't hold true to what it used to be. Oh, <laughs> I was no. going to say in the current climate, like a, mur- a movie where we like murder, where we are after like a wild lion and another wild lion probably isn't going to go over that well in the current state of affairs. Yeah. I, I don't know why I thought of this movie, but I think it was one of the podcasts where you guys were talking about Val Kilmer and I was like, oh, Ghost in the Darkness. <laughs> I couldn't have picked any other movie, but yeah. I'm trying to remember why we could possibly have been discussing Val Kilmer of all people. Um, but crucially, Patrick, the intern, <laughs> was tasked with watching the movie and has come up with 10 trivia questions. Now, 
but bearing in mind, Alex, that it's your subject and the fact that you've just rewatched the movie and Joe hasn't seen it since it originally came out, I am going <laughs> to handicap this one slightly. So, Alex, Ooh. the normal rules apply to you. If you can answer the question without the multiple choice options, two points. If you need the options, one point. Joe, you are automatically going to get the multiple choice options. And if you can get the answer correct, you're going to get the full two points. I appreciate that. Thank you. Because largely, it's going to be guesswork on your part, I imagine. <laughs> especially, yeah, yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. Especially when you consider it is a trademark Patrick the Intern quiz. And, we all and, know what and those I are will like. say this, James, that I, it's not that I, I didn't watch it when it originally came out. I probably watched it 10 years after it came out, which is still 10 years ago. It, 10 years, 20. Do you know what? Actually, I think you would have stood <laughs> a better chance had you watched it 20 years ago rather than 10 years ago. Cause Absolutely. That... <laughs> Long before my drug and alcohol phase started, I would have been better. <laughs> okay, Alex. So ten questions exist. You can go anywhere on the board. Please give me a number. Uh, I'm going to throw everybody for a loop here and go my favorite number, number ten. I'm still confident, by the way, Alex, that you are going to crush this quiz. I'm confident that we're going to upgrade <laughs> those PokerStar socks to some EPT Sochi satellite <laughs> tickets. So, question ten. Your first question: Who is the actor who plays Patterson's wife? her first name multiple choice options are available I'll give, you, I'll give you a hint it wasn't an actor it was an actress well I like the fact here that Patrick has gone for the non-gender specific actor because there are many female actors who don't like the term actress so of I actually appreciate Patrick doing this yeah I know her last name is Mortimer I can't remember the first name. Look, uh, I say I... give it to him, even though I'm fucking uh, playing against <laughs> him. If that's right, you got to give him Mortimer. I will give you Mortimer. Emily Mortimer is the answer. You can have the two uh... points, Alex. Because oh, if you I, guys are kind. If I'd given you the multiple choices, it was Emily Blunt, Emily Lloyd, Emily Watson, or Emily Mortimer. So it wouldn't have made any difference. You would have nailed it. Uh, yeah. Joe, what question would you like? I'll take, you know what? I'm going to go It's Always Coming 7 for once. Number 7. And remember, you are automatically going to get the multiple choice options. In one of the hunts, the gun that Patterson borrows misfires. Who did the gun belong to? Was it Dr. David Hawthorne, Angus Starling, Samuel, or a tribe member? It was definitely Angus Starling. It was definitely Dr. David Hawthorne. Ah. You're not on the board, <laughs> Joe. And your second question, Alex, it can be anything other than seven or ten. Let's go with three. Question three. What is the name of the village's leader? Uh... Village's leader would be Samuel. It is for two points, and you have a 4 0 lead. Joe. <laughs> Joe, the what question? James says that is just so, it's just like, why even bother? But let's go. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Positive thinking. One, two, four, five, six, eight, or nine. One, please. Question one In which African country is the film set? Is it Kenya? Zimbabwe. Y do you, you get the options, Joe. <laughs> is okay, it the options. Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, or Ethiopia? Kenya. Correct, for two points. Woo! Hey, there you go, there you go. You're on the board. Alex, your third question. Uh, I'm going to go nine. Number nine. The first person to be killed by one of the two man-eaters is Mahina. From where is he taken? Uh, I'm going to have to go multiple choice on this one. Okay, is he taken from the bridge, his tent, the hospital, or out in the open? 
his tent. His tent for one point. You have a 5-2 lead. Joe, your question. I'll take the next lowest question, please. Number two. What animal do the lions reportedly hate the sound of? Is it humans, cattle, baboons, or eagles? Baboons. For two points, and it's a 5-4 game. Wow, it's Woo! close. The tension is almost bearable. Uh, Alex, <laughs> four, five, six, or eight? Let's go four. What is the full name of the character played by Michael Douglas? By the way, uh, Alex, I would crush you if I just watched this movie this week. <laughs> I know. That's the sad part. Um, I'm going to have to go Charles Remington. It is Charles Remington for two points. Nice one. Joe, five, six, and eight are available. I'll take number eight because it's close to my lucky number nine. What does the word Zavo mean? Is it a place of rejoice, a place of love, a place of terror, or a place of slaughter? It is a place of slaughter. It is for two points. Oh, wow. Okay, we go into the final round. Alex, you have a one-point advantage, and you can have question number five or question number six. Choose carefully. Uh, let's go five. Where are the two lions today? Uh, <laughs> in our hearts forever. No, uh, they are... You deserve a point for that in, answer. Uh, They're in a museum in Chicago. Correct, for two points. And Joe, Good you're... job, Alex. I would not have known that one. Your final <laughs> question. What are Michael Douglas's last words to Patterson? Good night. It's time to go home. You keep that wife of yours safe. When you see your son, hold him up high. When you see your son, hold him up high. Correct, for two points, which means it was close. Joe, you scored eight points. But Alex, you scored nine points, and you did it without the multiple choice options. Congratulations. <laughs> you have won this game of Supervan versus Stapes. So star socks are yours. Boom. But we're also going to send you, via the interwebs, some EPT Sochi satellite tickets. Amazing. That's awesome. I'm so wouldn't surprised, that, Joe. Jeez. Wouldn't that be amazing if Alex won his way to EPT Sachi and I hand him the trophy on the webcast after being on our podcast? Or Blair wow. from last week. Uh, any of the superfans competing over the next couple of months are going to be winning EPT Sochi satellite tickets, assuming they can beat Joe at their chosen subject. I'm going to tell him when he wins that his son should be proud. <laughs> Oh, guys, this is awesome. I uh, I definitely hope to make it out to uh, an EPT uh, tournament sometime in my life, and why not make it this year, you know? Absolutely. Alex, it, would be a, it would be a goddamn pleasure, Alex. Thanks, man. Thank you guys so much. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show, which is a real shame to me because I enjoy talking about the life of Steve's. Well, we do get to revisit the life of Stapes because next week we're going to talk about all the stuff that Joe has been watching, consuming, as far as TV shows and movies are concerned. And I might have a few to drop in there as well. Not just what I've been watching, but yeah. what James has been watching as well. We're going to catch up on all the stuff we've watched in the recent weeks and or months uh, since we've talked about movies and TVs, uh, TVs, TV shows. I was going to say that next week's podcast might be a little bit off topic and might be a little bit off agenda, but it won't because we'll also have our discussion of Six Plus Hold'em. And thank you to everyone who has applied to be a reviewer. We'll be in touch in the next few days and we'll find a way of doing it. Maybe a kind of like uh, 
answer phone service where you can leave your review and we can run it on the show. Yeah, and I, look, there might be some more from the Life of Stapes. I'm going to uh, sell action for the Shooting Star coming up. By the way, this is not meant to be an ad for that. I just think that a lot of our listeners maybe have never done this before, have you know publicly sold action before. So I'm going to walk everybody through that, if that's okay. Like, I, have I think it's absolutely a- no problem with you selling action. If you put Mark up on, I will punch you in the face. Uh, luckily, I can't come to England for a long time. I, I think... Look, I, I might put some markup on only because... How? Having having given those two hand histories, <laughs> how on earth do you think you're entitled to anything more than one-to-one? I do not think I'm entitled to anything more than one-to-one. However, I just want to see how high I can go. Like, I asked publicly, I was like, what's the highest anyone's ever gone? And people were like, 1.3, 1.4. And I'm like, I'm going 2.0. I'm going 2.0. I'm the shooting star. Maybe I sell nothing. <laughs> okay, I definitely I sell what, I nothing. What. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Either zero markup or it has to be a ridiculous markup it's, like 2X. It, and it's if you be manage, insane. If you manage to sell a single percent, then good on you. Exactly, exactly. So we're going to see what happens there. Uh, but as far as 6 Plus goes, there are some pretty high-profile fans of this right yeah. now. Uh, Lex is a fan. Finton Hand is a fan. So hopefully uh, we can get some uh, some real people weighing in on this. Uh, again, I got to I gotta remind you guys, I'm so sorry to be like such a shill for this, but please, in 2019, get someone you know who likes poker to start listening to our podcast. Uh, the more people we have listening to this show, the better. The more we can justify putting this out every week. Uh, we also need super fans to apply to be on the show. So use the hashtag poker in the airs. And also I got to say this too. A lot of people will, uh, at reply me personally about the show. And I appreciate that, but use that hashtag poker in the ears so that we can get something going about the show. Because look, James is not a creep. James doesn't go looking at my at replies. No. And if you at reply me on a Friday about our Thursday show, like, I don't always remember it. So use the hashtag poker in the airs. We would love to use your tweets on the show. And also, if you have uh, ideas for guests, let us know. Let us know using the hashtag poker in the airs. Who do you want to hear from? Uh, And that's it. That's all the shilling I've got for this week's show. That's all the time we've got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. 